0: And through adaptable problem-solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
2: This is the On the Banks podcast. Follow us on Twitter at OTB
1: underscore SB Nation. Now, here's your host, Lance Glynn. Hello, everyone. I am, of course, your host, Lance Glynn, and this is episode 86 of of the on the banks podcast. If you don't already, you can follow me on Twitter at Lance underscore G11. And you can follow on the banks on Twitter as well at OTB underscore SB nation. If you enjoy what we do with the on the banks podcast, make sure to subscribe to us on Apple podcasts, you can find us just by searching on the banks. With Rutgers football in full swing and Rutgers basketball now three games into the season, make sure to check out OnTheBanks.com for all your Rutgers news, opinions, and information on every game and everything happening during the week. It has certainly been a fun last week for Rutgers athletics, and this weekend hopefully equals the excitement we saw last Friday through Sunday. Joining me on episode 86 to preview Rutgers football week 7 is the managing editor of our great On the OnTheBanks site, Aaron Brightman, and Penn State football and recruiting reporter for PennLive.com, Dustin Hawkinsmith. Before we start with football, Rutgers basketball, both men's and women's, are off to a great start. First off, they were both able to play the games they had scheduled. Look, I know the women's game was delayed a few days, but it ultimately was played against Monmouth. The men, of course, play their three games as well against Sacred Heart, Fairleigh Dickinson, and Hofstra. All four resulted in wins and got both teams off to positive starts in seasons where they both expect to be in the NCAA tournament. Now, looking at Rutgers football, this season has been a fun one, and the excitement continued against Purdue. A 37-30 win on the road to notch their second victory of the season showed me how well this team has developed as games have gone on. Two tough losses to Illinois and Michigan, but that close win over Purdue showed that this team is learning how to win and learning how to put away opponents. And look, that's so big, and I think one of the hardest things to learn. We all saw them struggle to do that when they had the chance against Illinois and Michigan, and while we are all happy with the competitiveness this season, it would have been tough to watch another one-score loss this time to Purdue. But behind our Zitkowski in the first half and Johnny Langan in the second half, this team was finally able to get to the finish line. So many of us said at the beginning, just one win this year would be good enough. They needed to end the conference losing streak, and they were able to do that in the first game of the season. Now they have that second victory. With three games left, I think the expectations, frankly, remain the same. Be competitive, be in games, and when the opportunity arises, seal the deal. They were able to do all three against Purdue, and now with three weeks to go, have an opportunity against Penn State, Maryland, and the Big Ten West opponent. To do the same. Time to talk to the reporters. Here's your host, Lance glenn Joining me on episode 86 of the OTB podcast is the managing editor of our great site on the banks, Aaron Brightman. Aaron, thanks so much for coming on and joining me to talk some Rutgers football today.
2: Thanks for having me back, and uh, certainly a big, big game ahead.
1: Sir so Aaron, I first want to ask you this. I know my response, but I want to hear yours. How does it feel to go into basically every Saturday now knowing that Rutgers has a chance and that even if they don't win, they will at least be competitive and put up a great showing? Well,
2: it's amazing how quickly things change, even during the global pandemic. But uh, the progress that uh, this team has made is, has really been um, pretty amazing. Uh, just the culture change that's happened. Um, and just uh, honestly, I mean, just being happy to see the players uh, you know, fight and battle the way they have and just, um, you know, their confidence level, if, if anything, I mean, just the, the confidence that they now have and play with week in and week out has really been um, unbelievable to watch. And I think uh, after, especially the a lot of the veterans that, you know, went through the past couple of years, you know, and you could really see on the field how dejected they were and just. You know, Unfortunately, it was, it was a hopeless situation, so to see a lot of those same guys play with so much more fire and just belief in one another and the coaching staff, um, it's, it's really been uh, a pleasant surprise and, and, and a lot of fun.
1: So Aaron, with Saturday's 37-30 to win against Purdue, I think one of the hardest things for a program to learn is to learn how to win, and I think we saw that difficulty in the losses to Illinois and Michigan, but look, Rutgers was able to come back get a lead and hold that lead in the fourth quarter and beat a good purdue team on the road to me that shows such great in-season development what were your biggest impressions of the game and how this team not just developed over this past off-season, but how they developed from week to week to get win number two on the year
2: well i think you know going into the year when we talked about it in the preview you know this year was never truly about wins and losses it's always about the big picture and I, i think player development was something that you know, it was really a, a big thing to look for in terms of you know how much progress this team would make. and And it's clear that this team has gotten better. Week to week, obviously, you know, we know they make mistakes. You know, they're still uh, committing way too many penalties, although it was uh, definitely improved in the Purdue game. But I think what you saw in the second half against Purdue was just, um, you know, their identity really taking uh, fold. Um, You know, and and in fact, I mean, you know, throwing Art Sikowski and Johnny Lang in a combo of that to go on the road and be a a respectable team in Purdue uh, and what they were able to get out of both of them, uh, was really remarkable. And I think, but just the way the defense, you know, did not have a good first half at all, really buckled down the second half. Um, you know, a guy like Muhammad Ture, uh, who, you know, was not really expected to have much of an impact this year, um, but has had a great season. And that, that read he made on the interception that, that was a, a big game changer, uh, was just great to see. So I think, you know, I, I, it was the first fourth quarter I've watched Rutgers football play where I, expected them to win you could just feel the momentum shift and and the confidence they were playing with um and you know it really stems from the entire team you know they they were missing Raquan o'neal their best offensive lineman um you know uh they they had guys in and out uh that that missed some action during the game so just to see them overcome that adversity um and 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 really just you could see them impose their will in the fourth quarter against a, a big ten opponent was um Really refreshing, just speaks to how far um, and how well this team has developed
1: uh, week to week. You know, you wrote an article after the game titled, I'm Sorry Johnny Langan. And look, his limitations are known, and they've been publicized. But look, the kid knows how to win. He knows how to make plays, and he's as tough as they come. And after his performance on Saturday, I think we all owe him the biggest thank you. He really represents the chop mentality that Greg Shiano is trying to instill in this program. I guess my question is, what pushed you to writing that article, and what do you think his involvement should be moving forward? You know, I'm sure it'll remain the goal line packages he has, but do you think it should be expanded even more? Well,
2: I think you know it's it's certainly going to be interesting moving forward. I mean, I, I think that you know, as as much as uh, Noah Vedrill has been up and down. Uh, this year, I mean, statistically, you know, he, he has had a relatively good year uh, in, in, in terms of certain, you know, he's in the top five in the Big Ten and um, efficiency and, and touchdowns thrown and yards per game. Uh, so I, I think as Shiano has said, you know, he's going to have every opportunity to, to return as the, the starter. However, I, I do think that Langan has shown, um, you know, that, that that he can be involved a bit more than just the goal line packages. I do think that You know, there's a certain predictability when he is in the game, and I don't think he's just going to – I mean, everybody watching the game in the fourth quarter knew that he was running up the middle and Purdue just couldn't stop him, and and that's not going to be the case every week. But I think that Gleason has shown the ability to be extremely creative uh, on offense, and I'm sure they're going to look to to have Langen um, utilized a bit more – moving forward, Uh, and yeah, I mean, I I was, honestly, I was inspired by his play, Uh, and that that post-game quote he gave us after, you know, about looking at the the Purdue defensive line and saying, here comes Rutgers football, I mean, it was, maybe a little corny, but it was was movie-esque, and um, you know, listen, Rutgers has lacked that type of, uh, just um, kind of, Moxie uh, for, for a long time, so I think uh, you know having a, a kid like him, a Jersey guy, uh, you know who who really was you know, and I stand by from a um, you know a technical standpoint, you know he he's not doesn't have the strongest arm for a quarterback, um, you know, and Boston College wanted to make him a tight end and. You know, my comments uh, about not expecting to see him again was really based on quarterback. You know, I thought he would um, potentially switch as well uh, at Rutgers. And um, so to to see the impact that he had on that win in Purdue and, and really all season, you know, he has been effective um in pretty much every game he's played uh something i certainly didn't expect going into the season and uh but thrilled to see and i think just his kind of evolution and development uh has kind of uh, you know been a, a um kind of a, a great way to summarize where this team in general has has come uh and uh i think that um he certainly is someone that um is going to stay involved you know w- when uh, vedro comes back or not uh and and it would be really interesting this week against penn state i mean we could who knows we could see all three quarterbacks at some point so i think that uh, um that part of it certainly makes it more challenging for opponents because all three quarterbacks have different skill sets um so Rutgers really had that going for them in terms of playing uh you know their opponents having to prepare for them right
1: now the rest of the season look we've all applauded the work of the three coordinators sean gleason rob smith and Adam Shire. I think one coach who's really brought his group to the next level, though, is Taekwon Underwood. The receivers have taken the next step this season, something we've been waiting for over the last few years. Shameen Jones had two catches last year, was not a part of the offense at all. This year, he has, I think, 27 receptions and has created a great duo alongside Bo Melton. What do you think Taequann Underwood is doing right? Why do you think he has been able to get this progress when it seemed like none of the other previous coaches could do that?
2: Well, I think, you know, it's uh, the job he's done is amazing. Um, I think, you know, seeing, uh, like you said, Melton and Jones, what, how they've improved. But also, you know, Cruikshank I um, mean, had four career receptions at Wisconsin the previous two seasons and he's tied for the lead with 30 this year. I mean, that's remarkable. Um, I I think that, you know, he uh, he can really relate to the players. You know, he's on the younger side. um, But I think that also, you know, the success he had um, playing for Shiano here the first time, obviously he he, uh, was in the NFL as well. But I think that, you know, their eyes and ears were wide open for him. I think that, um, you know, uh, his style is uh, definitely... um, you know, more, more conducive to, to their development from what I've heard in years past with other position coaches there. And I think that, um, you know, this team is all, uh, I think you've seen that these players were, were hungry to be coached and, and hungry to improve and get better. And, um, you know, Underwood has channeled that. And I think that, you know, what made him a good player has made him a good coach in terms of uh, just being um, – uh, aggressive and, and hard-working and I think that the, the, these guys this group has really uh, embraced that and you know just from hearing of uh, a this season talking about all the extra work that that the receivers have put in after practice you know um, whether it's been with him or even just, you know, uh, with the machines just catching extra balls. I think their work ethic has been, um, you know, uh, tremendous. And, um, you know, Underwood deserves so much praise. And, um, you know, obviously the team's improved all over the place. But, you know, it's it's, uh, I think you could fairly say he's probably – from a position-wise, done the best job uh, in terms of getting uh, having the most improvement from what, what the wide what receivers did last year versus
1: this year. The defense, which has been much better this season, has, however, struggled pretty mightily over the last three weeks against the run. Against Illinois, Michigan, and Purdue this past Saturday, the three opponents have averaged almost 220 yards per game on the ground. Of course, look, Greg Schiano and Rob Smith want to change that, What have you seen as to why Rutgers has struggled against the run over the last few weeks? And who needs to step up to change that and get back to the level of the first three weeks of the season when they only gave up, on average, 120 yards on the ground per game? What do you think needs to happen to kind of revert back to the way the defense was playing in the first half of the year? Well,
2: fortunately, you know, I I don't really think it's... Anything too strategic. I, I, I think they're getting worn down. I think the defensive line, you know, I think that's where depth is kind of showing, rearing its ugly head. Um, you know, uh, in terms of rotating the defensive line, they, they just don't have the depth where they, they need it and want it to be. Um, I think even, you know, the, the linebacker core. Um, You know, 0-3 has had an amazing year. Fogg has been good, but I I, I think he's been, um, you know, hasn't played at his peak the last uh, couple games. And then that third linebacker spot has been a bit of a rotation, but I think the defensive line, especially, you know, in the Big Ten, you know, you really need eight to ten guys that you can rotate on a regular basis. And here we are, you know, six weeks into the season. And, you know, Rutgers doesn't really have that. And I think you're seeing the, the effects of that. The secondary's been in battling injuries, you know, talking about uh, the Purdue game. I mean, um, you know, Avery Young and uh, Brendan White were in and out um, dealing with some things. And, you know, Shiano, that uh, was mentioned on the call yesterday in terms of their status. And um, so, you know, health and, 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 um, Depth for, for, for this game against Penn State is going to be crucial um, to how they do. But I think that, um, you know, schematically and everything, I, I, I don't think anything has really changed. Um, I think, you know, Rutgers has struggled against mobile quarterbacks for a while. Um, you know, the Illinois game was particularly bad, but I think that. Um, yeah, it's it's just a matter of getting the uh, some of the younger guys um, developed and and being able to contribute more. And I, I think that um, teams have adapted a little bit too uh, to, to what Rutgers was showing that there was you know confusing opponents earlier in the season is
1: is not really um, you know they're, they're being prepared for better against at this point. Aaron, a couple more from me before I let you go. Does Rutgers, in your mind, need to win again for this season to be considered a success? And look, I know that's a pretty general question, but Penn State, Maryland, and then the West crossover game in Week 9. That's three winnable games you could argue upcoming. Do they need to win again, or does how they have played in their two wins and in their losses, I guess, already make for a successful season regardless of what happens to finish out these last three games?
2: I think whatever's, what has happened so far uh, should deem this season a success. Um uh, I think the only caveat to that is let's just say the next three games they get blown out in every game. That certainly would, would you know uh, take a, a pretty uh, big hit on what they've done so far. But um, if they continue to play with the same fight uh, and, and are as competitive as they've been, even if they don't win those games, I think you know it's it's hard to argue against this being a, a very successful year one. Uh, obviously, based on all the you know the the. the constraints that Shiano and his staff had to deal with, with, with COVID and, you know, that the no off season, basically in a shortened, um, you know, training camp during the semester. Um, I think what they've done is, is, is really uh, miraculous up to this point, um, implementing a new offensive system and, and working in a lot of transfers. Uh, so I think if, if what we've seen continues um, from, from, you know, in terms of a competitive standpoint, yes, I, I or, or no, I don't think they have to win for it to be a success. Obviously, one more win would, would just, I think, take maybe the grade potentially from a B, B plus to a, I think, a, a definite A if you were grading uh, the year. Um, and I think of of all the games left, I think, you know, obviously Maryland would be nice, but I think a win over Penn State um, would be, a, a, to be honest, a, a generational win for Rutgers football. You know, they haven't won since 1988. Uh, They lost 13 in a row. We all remember 2014, how bitter of a loss that was, and how close they were to winning that game. Um, and I think uh, what it would do on the recruiting trail would just have such an impact. James Franklin has been uh, um, you know, negatively recruiting against Rutgers for years. Um, this would really be a huge feather in uh, Shiano's recruiting cap. And I think that um, so this game is really, you know, I, I guess you could say, the most important game of the season at, the, at this point. Um, and uh, if they could win it, I think it would have a huge impact. But, yes, if, if there was a competitive close loss, Um, You know, in all three remaining games,
1: I I don't think it could take away from what uh, this team has already done this season. Aaron, last one from me. Penn State heads to Piscataway on Saturday. Who comes out with victory when Rutgers and the the Scarlet Knights, I should say, and the Nittany Lions meet up at SHI Stadium? Well, I think it's going to be really interesting. I think, you know, the the mental and emotional.
2: um, you know, uh, mind, uh, mindsets for both teams is, is really going to dictate a lot. I think that, you know, uh, it's no question Penn State has more talent and more depth. Um, but I think, you know, we know what Rutgers is at this point. Uh, you know, they're, they're going to make mistakes, but um, they're, they're going to play to the bitter end. And And there's certainly not a team that opponents want to face right now. They're well coached. Um, you know, they've come out really well in first quarters, which has been a, a, a big change this year. Um, they're outscoring opponents 54-24 uh, to 24 in the first quarter. Uh, so I think, you know, you can expect a strong start. It's really going to be the adjustments in the second half. Um, Rutgers has done terribly in the second quarter. Um, but but after halftime, you know, the adjustments you saw them make against Purdue, what can they do against Penn State um, that could turn things around? You know, Penn State does surrender. Uh, they give up a lot of sacks, but they also um, – produce a lot of sacks so the line play is going to be real crucial in this game um and really it's going to come down to who makes bigger plays and i think it's it's going to be it's been low scoring in recent years i mean it's amazing to think that as bad as Rutgers was last year uh they were in a one score game with penn state in the fourth quarter last season so um i i really think you know they're going to win i really do i think this team is uh motivated i think shiano is um you know, has their confidence up. I think health is certainly probably the biggest concern going into this game, how banged up Rutgers will be. Um, but I think Penn State has little to play for, uh, and I think that um, you know they got their big win against Michigan last week. So I think it's possible You know, they, they certainly don't view Rutgers in the same light that Rutgers views Penn State in terms of an opportunity. So um, I think it's going to be a very hard-fought, close game, and I, I think that uh, for the first time at home this season, although there's no fans, um, you know, that Rutgers finds a way and, and, and gets the win, and it really just
1: defines the season. The managing editor of our great on-the-bank site, Aaron Brightman. Aaron, thanks so much for joining me, as always, and coming on the podcast to talk Rutgers football. Thanks so much, Lance. He covers Penn State football and recruiting for com, and joins me to talk about the Nittany Lions on episode 86 of the OTB podcast. I'm happy to welcome on to the podcast Dustin Smith. Dustin, thanks so much for coming on and giving me some time today to talk Penn State football.
0: Oh, it's a pleasure to be here.
1: You did a good job with the intro. A lot of energy. I like it. <laughs> you know, that's I'm I'm full of energy, and partially because this Rutgers season, you know, and, and obviously you covering Penn State, but this Rutgers season so far has been one um, that's been quite fun, a lot more fun than previous years. Now in now here in Greg Schiano year uh, number one, and I want to start with this season overall. I guess for Penn State, it's look it's it's been a weird year, and with big name opt outs they had before the season regressing from last year is not a huge surprise, I would say. But what is a big surprise is that they're 1-5. Nobody thought the regression would be that big with only three games left. What has been the fan reaction and just the overall mood surrounding the program after what has been a pretty, I guess, surprising season, to say the least? Yeah, it did come
0: as a surprise. And there, were a lot, there were a lot of expectations. You see a preseason top 10 number attached to this team, which I... I thought was pretty ambitious, even without a lot of the issues that happened with Micah Parsons opting out and Journey Brown. He's got a heart condition. Uh, Noah King, who was Journey Brown's backup, was in the starter who got hurt on the first drive. There's a lot of stuff that piled up. The quarterback play hasn't been stellar. Obviously, there was um, a little bit of hope I think on that front last week against Michigan from Sean Clifford. Uh, I think you know I think with all the COVID stuff, I feel like there were different. Um, Reactions, different responses, different coaches putting different levels of investment into the safety aspect of it and that sometimes came at the, um, at the mercy of the football aspect of it and the practice time aspect of it. And I think James Franklin even said as much as, um, you know, a few weeks ago, saying he probably invested too much of himself into, you know, uh, putting, having his hands on the safety protocols and maybe didn't delegate some of that stuff as much. So there's a lot of those issues going on in addition to what you mentioned from a personnel standpoint. And then I don't, I don't know where you really lay the blame when it comes to this team not having a lot of energy to start games and falling behind uh, in each of their first five games, trailing by double digits at the half uh, in each of those first five games. And then they finally flipped the script last week. So you add all this stuff up, and then the general hopelessness that comes along with trailing so early in games. And it's just been a really murky... Um, forgettable type season to this point. I think there's a there's a segment of fans who really understand and kind of appreciate that, can understand that Gene Franklin has done a lot since he got here in 2014. And then there's a you know small faction that is calling for Gene Franklin's head. You know, and, and I think any fan base ha- has that divide somewhere along, along the line. So I think the fan reaction's been mixed. Uh, disappointment. Some teams, Some fans checking out. Uh, but maybe last week's win, maybe they can try to parlay that into some momentum.
1: Yet. And look, I want to start now with specific units, with the offense. We Rutgers fans know Penn State Offensive Coordinator Kirk Scirocco well, as he was OC from 2008 to 2010 in Shiano's first tenure here on the Banks. What has he brought to this Penn State offense in year one, and how has this unit as a whole developed as the season has gone on with him leading it?
0: Well, I think it, it would have been premature, especially in the first month of the year to really try to judge Kirk Scirocco because what was happening was the quarterbacks weren't playing well, obviously Sean Clifford was benched. Will Levis didn't really get the job done. Will Levis started against Rutgers last year and kind of struggled through the air. The offensive line was a disappointment early. You're starting to see that group come together a little bit. They made a personnel change there on the right side of the line that I think helped. Uh, and you saw last week, you know, the, the kind of classic Kirk Scirocco where it's, it's kind of simple but elegant, the approach to offense. And they didn't do anything overly complex. They asked Sean Clifford to manage the game. Uh, he, he sort of ditched the, I would say, hero complex and, and just took the throws that were there. And you saw, you know, then lean on the run game a little bit, get some push up front. I think that's what we're going to see again on Saturday is not overly con- uh, complex um, scheme, but just focus on the basics. You know, you can't get to the overly complex anyway if you're not executing the basics. So I think that's where Penn State went last week. And I think you'll see them try to lean on that offensive line. Uh, Ask Sean Clifford to make some timely throws. You'll definitely see him make plays with his legs. He's he's shown that really all through the past two seasons. But you'll see probably Kevon Lee, who had a big week last week. Uh, I expect Devin Ford, um, a sophomore, to come back and and play at running back again. So I think you'll see running game, um, short passes, and then maybe a few shots sprinkled in
1: there. And can you give us a better sense of quarterbacks for Penn State? Look, we we saw Sean Clifford and Will Levis against Nebraska and Iowa, and then obviously only Clifford last week against Michigan. It's clear that Clifford is the primary option and is the number one, but are there spots for Levis, depending on the situation, and what have you seen from both this year regarding their struggles and the positives that they bring as well?
0: So yeah, Sean Clifford is the preferred option. He's He's the team's best option. He's the best mix of throw and run. Will Levis weighs 230 pounds. He looks like a linebacker. You have seen him, and I think he's going to be part of these design packages, and, and I suspect we might see that more and more as the year goes on. He scored a rushing touchdown uh, in a goal-to-go situation last week. The first three times uh, this season he had come in cold in these short yards-type situations, there were two penalties and a turnover, and they hadn't really executed that part of their plan very well to this point. But I think you'll see it on Saturday that when, when you have a short-yarded situation, maybe inside the 10-yard line, that type of situation. He's shown Will Levis has that maybe it doesn't matter if you know that there's going to be a direct quarterback run. They can create a numbers advantage, and then he's a hard guy to tackle. So I think you'll see him sprinkled in there. But Sean Clifford is the guy. Uh, he's not really a slouch when it comes to running it either. I think he's got good arm talent. I think he's got a good feel and good touch. He just hasn't been able to slow the game down to this point. But again, last week was was a point of optimism, I think, for him. He, he played pretty well, and he played pretty efficiently. And he wasn't asked to do too much. I think that's the blueprint again this week.
1: And how devastating has the loss of Pat Fryermuth been? Look, he's, you know, Brenton Strange is no slouch. He has ability, but he's at least not yet... Uh, to the level of uh, Pat Friermuth, how much has his loss, I guess, affected the offense now that they don't have him as a weapon and a security blanket for for Clifford?
0: Well, certainly, somebody, you know, one less, one fewer body for opposing defenses to have to account for. You know, Rutgers would have to know exactly what Pat Friermuth is and what he's doing. Um, Season blocker, too. I mean, I know it's not not the glory work. Penn State has never really been one to... You know, force feed anybody, but let alone Pat Fryer. You know, he's got nice numbers through three seasons, um, but they, they have never gone out of their way to just force the ball to him. They they take him uh, wherever opposing defenses give him. So you want you don't see huge numbers, but the impact that he made from uh, a blocking and from a receiving standpoint, but also from a uh, opponents having to gate plan for him standpoint. You saw Penn State open last week. Starting two tight ends. It was Brenton Strange, who's a redshirt freshman, and Theo Johnson, who's a true freshman, uh, out there. Really talented. Yeah, both those, both of them are really talented kids um, who are, you know, they look pretty good in their in their first opportunities without Fryman. So I think that you saw Penn State get into a formation more often where they're they're trying to beef up that line from a blocking standpoint. So I'm not sure you'll see Strange or Theo Johnson do a ton in the passing game. Well, you're going to see them stay home to block a little bit more. So I think from that respect, maybe that's an adjustment based on Fireman being out. Maybe it's an adjustment they would have made anyway, but you're seeing tight ends stay home to block more.
1: The biggest opt-out probably in all of college football before the season was Micah Parsons. When you pair the loss of him with the loss of four players to the draft last year, How has Penn State filled the holes of these departures, and who should Rutgers fans keep an eye on, or keep an eye out for, I should say, uh, when the Scarlet Knights have the ball on offense?
0: So I think the disappointing thing was, I I think from a personnel standpoint, Penn State was still in okay shape without Micah, but you can't really replace that playmaking ability, that free-ranging, quick twitch. I mean, he he makes plays on the field that very few others can, and you can't really make up for that, but they had... Three guys back who were not only talented but had some experience at linebacker. And what they ended up having to do, they had two guys competing for the job at middle linebacker, Jesse Lucetta and Ellis Brooks, where Lucetta bumped over to the weak side to replace Micah Parsons. So you essentially have two guys who are better equipped to play that inside linebacker role. You have one of them on the outside. And he's just not the same caliber of athlete as Micah Parsons. But collectively, the linebackers have, have struggled. They've been... You know, they've gotten washed away, I think, a little bit too often. They haven't really shown up. They haven't popped on, on game film. They've, they've missed some plays in space. Uh, but that's true of pretty much everybody on this defense through the first six weeks. The safeties in the back end, two pretty talented seniors who haven't really made a lot, a, a great big impact yet either. Cornerbacks have struggled a lot of times. You've seen turn through fields, has missed the past couple games. He's a starting corner, a senior. Uh, I'm not sure what, whether to expect him or not in this game, but I think just uh, just general underperformance has been a theme on the defense. As far as who to look out for, um, I think you, you kind of circle the defensive ends. Jason Owe and Shaka Toney are really talented guys, really fast, quick off the edge. So if Rutgers gets in a position where they're trailing by a couple of touchdowns, um, second, third, fourth quarters, and maybe they have to go a little bit more one-dimensional, you'll probably get a good taste of these guys flying off the edge. So I would look out for them, uh, a, a reserve defensive end to Adisa Isaac. And another player, though, to watch for, I, I tell this to everybody, Joey Porter Jr. is a redshirt freshman. He's a quarterback. He's uh, the son of Joey Porter who played for the Steelers, a uh, really good um, pro football player. Um, he's uh, he's a really long kid, 6'2", about 200 pounds, got 35-inch arms. You've seen him show up on tape from time to time. Wouldn't shock me if he makes a, a play that, that kind of makes a difference in this game.
1: Looking back at this past Saturday, Penn State was able to get win number one against Michigan. I guess, what did they do differently this past week in order to come out victorious compared to previous weeks? Or is it as simple as they just, I guess, executed better on Saturday than they really have all year? You know, was it something different, or did they just play better?
0: I think they they scored a touchdown in their opening drive, which has been hard to come by. Uh, That helped. They didn't turn the ball over. Those two aspects are are probably... Number one and two on, on my list. They protected the ball better. I think they, they, they it really got the point home here that if you don't beat yourself, you got a shot to beat most teams in the league. Uh, that scene is not without talent. But I think they, they, between the lethargy to start games and the mistakes that they made that were costly, you know, I think they gave up 27 points off turnovers in that loss to Iowa. You can't beat a whole lot of teams doing that. And I think they're going to need to stick to that formula because. You're going to outclass Rutgers from a talent, you know, body body for body, scholarship player for scholarship player. Penn State's got a lot more talent than Rutgers does. But you've seen under Greg Schiano when it comes to special teams and it comes to execution on you know, situational football situation. You know, Rutgers has done a really nice job and they've taken care of business. They've done everything they can to make the most out of what they got. So if Penn State starts out slow and starts out sloppy. This is an opportunity for Rutgers. You know, plays plays into Rutgers' hands. They're going to need to borrow that formula again. Play cleaner, play more efficient. They use the running backs to stay ahead of the chains a little bit and help that they got a push uh, from the offensive line so they were
1: ahead of schedule. They started it fast and they didn't turn the ball over. I think that's the formula again for Penn State. Dustin, a couple more from me before I let you go. What kind of effect, if any, could that win against Michigan have for Penn State? Do you think that just getting that proverbial monkey off their back could kind of provide this team with momentum? With you know, well, two regular season weeks and then that third uh, Big Ten West crossover game still to go. Yeah, I think
0: it's easy to forget sometimes, especially in football, that these guys are not robots. You know, they're they're human beings. They they have doubts. They um. That they do, you know, the, the confidence and a lack of confidence are impactful in college football. And I think getting the monkey off the bat uh, was huge. I mean, you, you saw you saw, you saw, know, some of these guys, and even the coaching staff, breathe a collective sigh of relief after getting that win. It's always good to win on the road. It's always good to beat Michigan, especially on the road, no matter what that Michigan team looks like. They're not really uh, the Michigan of old, I would say. But um, I think confidence and having fun too I mean, i think maybe that can help them from a momentum standpoint and i think it helps them relax and not be um trying to do too much because that started to become a problem all along i think i think we'll we'll see them settle in and kind of be content to be themselves and and really believe for the first time in a few weeks that that'll be enough
1: Dustin, last one from me. Look, I know Penn State opened as I think a 10-point favorite and over the last few years has really dominated Rutgers. But, of course, both these teams are different than what we have seen over the past few years. Who do you think ends up winning when Rutgers takes on Penn State in Piscataway on Saturday?
0: Uh, I do have Penn State winning, but I have Rutgers covering. Uh, it's hard for me to, to pick Penn State to beat anybody by double digits right now. Maybe the, Maybe the narrative is in the process of changing. Maybe what happened last week against Michigan where they where they did win by 10 points and they were underdogs in that game. Maybe it, it is more meaningful and, and it has this transformative moving forward, but the way Rutgers plays and, and what they're going to want to try to do, you know, when it comes to slowing the game down a little bit and keeping Penn State's offense off the field, uh, I think I, I have it in the neighborhood of like 30 to 24, um, something like that, where, where Rutgers really hangs in there because that's what they've done against everybody, win or lose. Um, even in games against Indiana and Ohio State much more competitive than a lot of people thought they would be, and I think that's going to be how it plays out. I, I like where, where Penn State made some changes, but I don't think they're ready to blow anybody else, blow anybody out just yet.
1: Especially a team like Rutgers, that's going to, you know, they're going to go out of their way to hang around. You can follow him on Twitter at d.hawkinsmith. He covers Penn State for PennLive.com. Dustin, thanks so much for coming on today to talk Nittany Lion football. Hey, thanks for having me. I want to thank Aaron and Dustin for coming on the podcast to preview this Saturday's game as Rutgers takes on Penn State at SHI Stadium. This really is a crucial game for both teams, and for the Scarlet Knights, this is an opportunity, as Aaron put it, to really make their season. Look, it's already been a successful year, in my opinion at least, regardless of what happens on Saturday and the two games after, but winning once more and getting to three wins would certainly put the icing on the cake in year one for Greg Schiano. If that win were to happen against Penn State, nonetheless, that would be even better. It would guarantee Rutgers finished above Penn State in the Big Ten standings. And look, uh, for as crazy as this year has been, if I had told you before the season that Rutgers would finish above Penn State in Greg Schiano's first year back, you would think I was out of my mind. But as Aaron and I discussed, What has impressed me most this year is the way this team and these players have developed as the season has gone on. Look, that's a difficult thing to do, but something that Rutgers has really embraced. They have gotten better each week, have been competitive in really every game, and have worked on fixing mistakes that were made previously. Now look, this team is not perfect, they need to work on a lot, but all of those fixes come with time. It takes years to fully rebuild a program, and even with the way this team has impressed, it'll take time for Shiano to get the team to where he wants them to get to on a consistent basis. But man, look, they have all of us Rutgers fans hopeful, and the foundation is being put in place. This team is playing for each other and are chopping whether they win or lose. They are changing the perception of Rutgers football, and in year number one, those are big steps to take here.